Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Caraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. With me, as always, I got Lavender Gooms. Happy last Monday before Daylight Savings Time. I just live for the weird shit Mike drink dro- drops during his intro. Also with us, Kid Presentable. hey And last but not least, joining us, the man with the plan, DJ Mark. What's up? What's the plan, Mark? We're going to talk about UFC 35 and then fight night. That's the plan. There we go. He knows the plan. I told you he's got the plan. It's it's no problem, guys. I didn't make the plan. I just know it. Yeah. I mean, we didn't even talk much about it. Mark, just, you know, the fool's problem we're doing. Um, All right, boys and girls, we're going to talk about a UFC pay-per-view with two title fights. And both those belts are pretty real. Uh, I think it's a good description of them. Um, Got a debut by Ben Askren. We got Robbie Lawler hitting a move that... It's been half banned by WWE, so it's pretty cool. Um, got some other, got a wild brawl open tonight. We got the Whaley Zhang out there. We got Zabith and Jeremy Stevens. A lot of good stuff to talk about. We have a man getting hurt, celebrating, um, which if you didn't see the card, you probably know who we're talking about anyway, though, just based on who's on the card. I'm hoping Marcus can tell me if anybody else has ever got hurt celebrating, but uh, let's just get into it. John Dwight Jones defends his UFC light heavyweight title, a title he won just looks like about eight weeks ago, maybe about eight, nine weeks ago, end of the year. Uh, he said he wants four fights this year, um, got in there in uh, early March against uh, Anthony Lionheart Smith, um, taking a pro wrestling nickname I appreciate, quite frankly. Came out of this fight, pretty one-handed decision for John Jones, 48-44. We're going to talk about the point loss. But first, Marcus, did you get the impression I did in this fight, which is John Jones just is like, all right, let me just get some good work in on this guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, we, we've kind of seen this John Jones before where he's pretty much handily winning the rounds and just not really taking those big risks to really finish the fight. And I, I think he was aggressive throughout the fight. I think Anthony Smith was just a tough guy. That's kind of what we knew going in that, you know, he's not a guy that gets stopped often. Um, I think John Jones had some good positions where he could have put on a lot of damage and potentially finished the fight if he really wanted that that finish. But um, it didn't materialize easily for him, so he didn't really, you know, push push the um, the fight to a degree where you know he potentially could end it. But I think that was just smart, you know. When when you kind of when you push the pedal to the metal, that's when you tend to make mistakes. And I think you know John knows at this level in the game that it's just not worth it to impress the fans to really go after a guy that's not hurt enough to go for the finish so he systematically beat him i mean he won each round um and looking at the scorecard you know if you didn't watch the fight you could say oh anthony stole some rounds i must have been a hell of a fight but like you alluded to um and anthony smith has to be given credit for this as well there was a downed knee uh to the head against anthony smith which i mean i, I guess we should just talk about it because uh i think it's a, a big issue because the rules well, I mean, yeah the rules it seems like people didn't see it anthony smith was down but his right he was his knee wasn't down but his right hand was and nevada did not adopt that part of the new rules which um yeah and then herb dean deducted two points from john jones because he viewed it as an intentional knee which it looked pretty fucking intentional quite frankly whether John Jones knew the rule necessarily is up for debate. Um, Marcus, uh, your thoughts on it, but also like I think we talked about like this somehow somehow got worse that we have different rules in different places when we try to solve that problem, right? Yeah, I mean this hasn't really become an issue quite yet, but it is getting cumbersome at this point where it's like now athletic commissions are adopting some, but not all of the rules. There's different rules in different states and different commissions have different, and it's just it, it, it's really confusing and. I haven't really wavered on this point. I I think knees to the head should just always be illegal. And then we don't have these these like, oh, he has a hand down, he has a knee, you know, he Wait, illegal or legal you want? Legal. You legal. Okay, all right. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. It did it in pride and it is look at it, it's dangerous. I mean, one, I think and then we talked about I talked about this extensively when we were talking about things we want we think would improve MMA. 
I think it makes so many more positions so much more dangerous than right now. It's just like, well, I can't knee or kick the dude to the head, so I don't have a lot of options. He's too low for me to generate a lot of power punching. It would be great if I could soccer kick or knee. I think it makes a lot of north-south becomes a dangerous, dangerous place to be. Um, getting sprawled on becomes an extremely dangerous place. Side mount becomes a death sentence to certain people. And like I mentioned before, like getting north-south can just – and you can rain knees on someone. I think it just adds a lot of excitement to it. And we avoid these kind of scenarios where at first I remember when we were watching it uh, with Bobby and Steph, you know, Bobby's like, oh, that's illegal. You know, his knee was up, uh, but his hand was down. And he and obviously the way he was positioned was not like an – uh, a stance that you think like, oh, this is a very legal stance. Like he just lifted his knee barely up. But, you know, if it was under a different rule set, it would have been fine. Um, ultimately, the two points did seem, um, you know, a bit much. But at that point, this happened in the fourth round. John had steadily been winning each of the rounds. So none of us were really, I guess, you know, I was trying to think like, you know, how close does this potentially put him to getting back in the race? And, well, and I, fi- I figured it out. I remember because I remember the fourth round was over. I started doing math. I'm like, if Anthony Smith wins the next round, 10-8, assuming everything, nothing has been a 10-8 up to this point, that means he uh, gets a draw, which is... As, Can I chime in? I think, of both course. Of mis- I think both of you are missing the point. He could have taken a DQ win. Yes, he could have. It, it's whatever, just scoring. I didn't, I didn't care. You guys were talking about the scoring. I didn't care because I'm like, at this point, everything I've seen of Smith, he's not coming back. He's not going to win. He's not going to get a 10-8 out of nowhere. He His spirit was absolutely broken going into that. So I was like... Just take the DQ. You seem broken to me. Stop fighting. When he can, he will be hated. He'll get hate, but he'll do two things. He'll get a championship payday, and he'll guarantee one rematch with Jones, which will be another payday. Mm-hmm. With a fighter with his mileage, with his record, three kids. If he's not going to win, he's not likely to get this again. Mm-hmm. This was three kids. <laughs> this was his payday. This was his chance. It's not necessarily the honorable thing, but this is prize fighting. It's not an honorable profession. He he looked tough. He had a Lionheart in a moment that cost him dearly, but when, as a fight fan, you want to see him come out Lionhearted in that fifth round, you want to see him go out on his shield, he didn't. He didn't have it in him. So the fact that's it's, it's a gift of hindsight, but the fact that he, he didn't push, it's like, okay, I'm not going to give up because I'm going to give it one last flurry. And that flurry never came. That's why, to me, it becomes disappointing he did not take the DQ win. His, is it uh, not, is his, it not, his name may have been Lionheart, but in that moment, he should have been fox-cutting. I would have been rolling around on the floor like I my head. I, I well, wasn't that out. a Give me I Weidman tried Give to pull that shit. And then everybody was just like, no, nah, man, you're cool. You just got knocked out. And he's like, wait, yeah, what? And, <laughs> he got and a massive blow to the head. And, and if we're disagreeing with each other, I, I think the one thing that Anthony Smith, at least for me, and you know, and our opinions may differ on this. The one thing Anthony Smith gained in not only the, the fight, but the promotion is that he really got to show his character which I think, you know, I was really, I didn't know much about this guy, but I was always impressed with, you know, his mental state going into this fight. And we talked about it last week, you know, mentally he seemed very ready for this fight. Um, that, that mentality didn't come to fruition where he was able to really push Jones. But I think throughout, not only the lead up to the fight, which, you know, convinced Stefan and it was even wavering to me, like I, this guy might be able to pull off the impossible, even though the skill set is definitely not there for him to do so. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, when I think of Anthony Smith, it's not now, it's not, now it's not just this middleweight guy I saw in Strike Force that had a cool triangle I thought could be something and ended up not being that much to like, this guy is kind of a fighter's fighter that has a really fun mentality, just like an honest mentality, right? This guy comes off extremely genuine in a sport where we're seeing a lot of people kind of showboating, and it doesn't seem genuine, right? There's a lot of smack talk. There's a lot of guys trying to, you know, get the headlines and be the show. And we have a guy in Anthony Smith who was just a fighter's fighter. He just comes there to throw down, and he got this opportunity. And there was a moment where he could have stole it, right? And it could have very easily have been a, you know what, um, opportunity wrong. I was hurt. I couldn't continue. It happens. But, you know, that's just that's not his mentality. And any, you know, all the hate he would have gotten, he gained that and more for me, the respect that he didn't go out on his shield and just be like, you know what, I'm I'm too beat up and the, the, the knee was too much and it was illegal. And I mean, because look, I, I, I'm i a step like I probably would have taken it. I would have been like, oh, fuck. Oh, I Jesus. Yeah. Paycheck. Get another big points. But to Mark, I think based on how he answered that, he misinterpreted what I said by go out on his shield. He didn't go out on his shield in he he didn't take the DQ and then he came out another round and a half to not fight. You could have thrown the towel in on that he, fifth round. He didn't come out to fight. 
And so that's why it's doubly disappointing to me. Because, and this is where I was saying earlier, why I'm so, I, I, I guess this is where it's just Mark gained an appreciation. I lost more appreciation because I feel like I was lied to. Uh, okay. What I said I to the end of the fight that. was, is everything that he sold me on about his heart, how people defeat themselves, how, you know, like they don't just come to fight. He didn't come to fight this round. He broke, he wilted, he accepted a slow defeat. And it's nothing against him personally. It's just that if that was going to happen, he should have taken the payday because he didn't go out swinging. He didn't say, okay, one last round to grit down and bite it. He came out there, took five more minutes of beating. It's like, okay, yes, I lost. And it's with all these, I'm not in there. We, I say this about Jones all the time. He fights differently. You get in there with him. It's not like training because in train, Jones does all these things that are just meant to physically harm you. They're not meant to finish you. They're not meant to knock you out. They're not submissions, but he does little things over the course of the fight. And this is why he breaks everyone because he does these little nagging things. He tugs on your shoulder joints. He kicks you in ligaments. Like he does all these little, like just parcel things, which, you know, it gets lost in the sea of dominance he shows. And so that's why I get why he broke, but the fact that he broke and he didn't take the way out, is like, I have nothing to, there's nothing. It just was nothing. You didn't have a moment to shine. You didn't have an underdog moment. You didn't have a moment where you made me believe like, I didn't believe he believed at any point in the fight. And that was just disappointing because I was so damn sold on everything he said. And it did not match the fighter I saw. You know, um, I my takeaway from it, honestly, it kind of reminded me of what we see a lot of times when someone gets to a UFC title fight. Is that they show up and they kind of the moment gets to them almost. And while he seemed like he was ready for that, he said he was. I thought it got to him because it kind of reminded me of like, I gave the example of Ricardo Lamas. Where he just stood there and like didn't like they stopped fighting the way they fight. Ricardo Lamas when he fought Jose Aldo, I'm like, what? What are you doing? Why are you just standing there? You go forward. You're supposed to go. Oh, you're not going forward. Okay. Reminded me of uh, when Jessica Andrade fought for the belt the first time against Joanna, where we all thought this is her like his heart. This is gonna be a tough test for Joanna, and she just kind of stood there while Joanna used her as a slow, slightly mobile heavy bag. Sometimes they go out there and these guys just don't have it because of it looks like the moment of getting of a title fight. I mean, it's a lot. And um, maybe with John, with John also, it kind of reminds me of you're talking about like he fights different. I think you're totally right there. I think it also reminds me of like he's that point where like he's like Anderson was where like there's an aura about him. And I think you start overthinking your shit. And sometimes you just got to go do what you're going to do. Like Weidman's ultimate success with Anderson was just like, well, I'm just going to go hit this motherfucker because I don't know what else to do. Like, this is what I do. I go chase him down and hit him. And like a lot of guys like I remember like you should fighting Anderson was just like looking at him. And I'm like, man, you should have called me. Should have shot 30 seconds ago. Why is he just looking at him? And I think it's the same with John Jones, where Anthony Smith is a title fighter, and also like the things he does. You mentioned as well, but also it's just these John Jones and like, all right, man, this guy can hit me with 14 different spinning fucking things. What am I doing here? And it's all of a sudden it's been five minutes. And you haven't thrown a fucking punch, and then it's three rounds later, and you've lost every round, and you gotta somehow that punch now has to become like the the one that wins you the title. So you're just looking for a super punch. I mean. Mike, uh, you, I, I know you want to you want to get in here also with your thoughts. Let me go to you. <laughs> well, I agree that I would have taken the DQ, but I think that's just because when it comes to things like this, I am just slightly nefarious. But I mean, wait, I, wait, fuck, I, wait, wait, fuck nefarious, man. He's got three kids. You get another pay per view payout out of this thing. They can, everybody goes to college, all right. And is, it doesn't, and you're not paying, you know, FSA shit. And to what uh, to what Mark said, you know, yeah, I gained a lot of respect for him, but you can't put respect in a four hundred one k. Um, and also, look, no one's beaten John Jones except who? Matt Hamill. And you know why you know that name? Could beat John Jones. Could beat John Jones. Even if it's a DQ, He got a DQ. In fairness, he said that when he threw the knee, he's like, I started getting flashes of Matt Hamill in my head. He's like, oh shit, it's happening again. In defense of Matt Hamill, Matt Hamill's arm was now dislocated. Like, he had to do stuff. The reason why I bring up Matt Hamill is because, yeah, we all we all know that was a loss. That wasn't really a loss, but you know what? He will forever live in in infamy or in fame as the only man who's beaten John Jones. However, he did it, and Anthony Smith would have lived in infamy as the only man to beat John Jones in a title fight. I mean, that would have been like when, like, remember, like Jones dislocated his toe or whatever against Chael, and Alma Chael almost became champion. Because nobody, like, Jones didn't notice until it was over. Chael said he would have taken that title yo, happily. Happily. Yo, all, all of these fighters on ESPN that so quickly said, no, nah, I wouldn't have done that. Yo. 
I think y'all lied. Did Michael Bisping right? say that? Michael Bisping. I love Michael Bisping. Michael, He's full of Michael shit. Michael Bisping said that. Michael Bisping I'm took him 15 sure, fucking years to win a belt. Are you kidding I'm me? I'm pretty sure Chael was on that panel as oh, well. Oh, Chael already said he was going to do it. Oh, no, no, no. Chael on Saturday said he would, like, he that he wouldn't have, uh, you know, taken the belt that way. That was not what he said last time. <laughs> exactly. We know if he had noticed. If he had noticed John Jones' toe, he would have got on his bike and waited for that. What the fourth round was it? It was the first. So, was it the first? It was Damn. the first. He was getting his ass kicked that badly. Damn, he got that ass beat. Yeah. Well, look. Um, as my friend put it at the end of that fight, um, and I thought it aptly described this fight. Hmm. So John's just got a good sweat in tonight. <laughs> I mean, they said they want to book him and Tiago Santos next, so he's going to get another good sweat in about eight weeks. Um, I'm just going to put this out there because we're going to move on here. We talked about one fight for like 20 minutes here. Maybe we don't ask the guy who just got kneed in the head to make decisions about this. And like, I, like, I get he seemed fine, you know, but like, you know what I mean? It's like one of those things where I'm like, I mean, is he? Like, he got kneed in the fucking head by John Jones. Maybe he doesn't know if he should or shouldn't continue. Anyway, um, co-main event. The champion, a man who you know goddamn well would have taken a title the way Anthony Smith chose not to. Tyron Woodley, all right? Love me some Tyron Woodley. Um, We all went out there, made our picks against him. Mark made the case after we all said we thought Tyron Woodley was going to win that Mark's like, Kamara might win this shit. It might be time. He might have reached being as good as Tyron Woodley. And it looks like um that happened, Steph, because Tyron Woodley got his ass beat. That shit wasn't even close. Uh, Once you get people... A summary, and please don't live out the part where Woodley was against the cage getting ripped to the body for about 30 seconds. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was a very, very brutal to watch. Um, just I'm going to talk about it right now specifically is because it started with both of them in like a single hand clinch. We're both punching each other in the body. But then you see how Woodley starts to be the one to retreat because he stops punching and he needs to start blocking. And it just goes, um, you know, I was comparing it to the time. Like Nate or Nick, sorry, need a Zoromkis in the thigh, like unanswered for two minutes straight. It was pretty brutal, but um, yeah, kind of oddly enough, in this co-main, we kind of saw the inverse of what we saw in the main event, right? We saw one fighter just get broken from start to finish. Um, Woodley, you could see it. Something said it in in hindsight. He he said it, and you could see it in his eyes throughout the fight. There was something disengaged about him, like he was there, but he wasn't there because once Usman could put the pressure on him, that was it. Um. He's never had someone who could outpower him. Like, Usman was a lot bigger. I think that really hurt. Like, uh, I saw it on paper, but when it was in the cage and it was six feet to five nine, I could really see the length of, like, Usman. Like, Woodley couldn't keep any distance, um, and that vaunted takedown defense was just completely nullified, you know? <laughs> Woodley, I don't... Have we ever seen a champion dominated from start to finish like that? We've seen champions get starched. Barrow? But, like... I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Barrow. It took me... It took, finished? He got fi- he got finished in the fifth round, but I don't know. Maybe you're right. But he uh, someone yeah, made a list. Of, someone made a list of this. Actually, they were it's talking a short, about it. Basically, it's Joanna a short list. and uh, Cookie Monster. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's a very short list of I mean, champions yeah. who who came, also ones who came in as a favorite. That makes it even less you could whatever qualifier. But it just happened. You know, I, I was joking about it. Woodley pulled a Jake Shields. He motherfucker pulled guard. He just like. He couldn't fight anymore and he's like i got his head i'm just gonna go for it like yeah i mean props all the world to usman um you know for whatever we said or negated about him being a lesser version of woodley it's a transitive property if he could do that to woodley i now i don't think anyone can do this to him i i definitely don't believe colby has a chance in hell against usman um you know he's not as young as we would hope he is for someone who's kind of coming out of nowhere he's 31 but that does give him still. Man, it seems like most guys in MMA, while 31 is not the peak of your athleticism, it seems like at that point you have enough athletic ability in your early 30s, around 30, you've got enough athleticism still and, you know, physical ability, and you've been there enough that, like, you're smart enough to know what to do. A lot of these guys seem to win the belt around that time. You get real rare cases with somebody like, I don't know, like Dominic, I mean, uh, like uh, Jones won it when he was, like, 23 or whatever he was when we were, you know, when he won it, and, like, I think like Cody was pretty young and TJ was maybe I don't know how young TJ is actually. But like well, I mean guy, you know. guys like Usman though they have a non, you know, it's different when the guys are have come up in MMA, like you know Rory who he came up learning MMA. Usman came up in wrestling. 
Mm. Um, people who come up in wrestling, you usually see them transition later to MMA because they've committed so much to that. So that's why it makes sense for him is, you know, who's to not say he would have been great earlier if he had committed, but he invested a lot of time in wrestling. Yeah. 15 and one now world champion, the first ever Nigerian champion, uh, UFC history. And just a shout out to his coach, Henry Hooft for really, they, he fought a perfect fight in terms of game plan, game plan. I thought, thought he really just did exactly what needed to be done to negate Tyron Woodley and exploit every hole he could. Now, Mike, if there's ever been a chance, like what has a better chance of happening? Me getting a shot at the UFC welterweight title, mind you, that I well weigh well north of 170 pounds, okay? Or Tyron Woodley getting a rematch? Oh, just uh, get a good sauna session in, uh, Bobby, you know, because I think mm. you getting a, a, a shot at the 170 title is much more possible than Tyron Woodley getting another shot because as we've talked about before on this podcast, Dana White doesn't dislike Tyron Woodley. Dana White hates Tyron Woodley. Yep. And Tyron Woodley, to get another title shot, is going to have to go on a Damian Maya-esque winning streak. It is going to have to be like eight wins in a row for him to even sniff a title shot. And he's yeah. getting sent to like Reykjavik. Like he's going to get sent to all of those bullshit made cards for like the next year. Yeah, I don't disagree with you at all there. Um, and Marcus, he didn't really like. Man fought a bad fight. He said it himself. He says I went out there and I just didn't have anything. It just didn't have it tonight. It wasn't exactly the performance that you could justify it a rematch off of. Um, despite his what was supposed to be his fifth title defense, just a real flat. He just came out there real flat, is what it looked like. What'd you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, I mean, uh, you can give Henry Hoof credit, but. The Usman I saw on Saturday was the same Usman I've been seeing for a long time. The dude just wrestle fucks dudes. It's not like there is a big evolution in his game from his last fight to this fight. So Woodley should have been prepared. You know, a lot of the key should have been don't get your back against the cage. This dude's going to try to grapple you uh, and work on that takedown defense with Ben Askren. It just didn't come to fruition. And part of it, I think, is maybe just bad preparation, not showing up for the day. He seemed flat footed. Um, and he constantly just, um, you know, had his back up against the wall. And um, like you alluded to earlier, you know, I was giving a bit of a breakdown of how Usman would be victorious. And we knew Woodley had, you know, stamina issues way back in the day. We haven't seen him in so long. And I think it's because he just hasn't fought a guy that's going to push him like Usman was, especially when it comes to the wrestling. We always think that Tyrell Woodley is just, you know, so, such a good wrestler that he negates these other good wrestlers. And we've seen it. Like, he fought Koscheck. He just blew him out of the water. A lot of the grapplers he fights, he's just on another level. But we saw Usman, a guy that really can push that grappling uh, regiment, just was able to get Woodley tired in those first couple rounds, Bob. And we've seen it. You know, when Woodley gets tired, there's not a lot left in the tank. The dude doesn't have, you know, the... He has the power, but he loses it when he gets tired. Yeah, and he also, like, the, those shot, those body shots, Marcus, also, those had to sap any chance of a comeback, too. Just the amount of that took out of his his wind at that point. Just getting ripped to the body like that, it looked like it just sucked it out of him almost, anything that he had left for us. Yeah, if, it, it, go watch Shamrock Don Fry if you want to see some dudes get an over-under clinch and just body shot each other. If you thought that was gruesome, there's literally 15 minutes of Don Fry smashing Ken Shamrock's. You know, Ken is like, he's super riff, but he's got a little softness to him. And you just see Don just slamming into him literally for 15 minutes. Those guys just stood in that position and slammed each other. It was great. Um, but yeah, it was, it was it was a poor performance by Woodley. And there wasn't a lot in the corner about how to set up that right hand. It just, it was not coming together. Usman was, um, you know, the better man. And, you know, I don't want to, hey, I, I, from watching all of the, and part of the reason why I like Anthony Smith is I watched all the lead up to this fight. And Usman is just another guy, you know, I knew nothing about this guy except that he was from Africa and he loved to wrestle guys. And getting to know a little bit more about this guy, you couldn't be happier for the win, right? And he comes out and his daughter's there and he wanted to make this a special moment. It could have, you know, leading up to it, I was like, this could be a really bad decision if Woodley knocks, knocks the shit out of you and your yeah. daughter's there. It could be very um, scarring moment, but it, it was a beautiful moment, right? His daughter got to see his dad win a fight get unscathed and uh that was great and it's just a fantastic story like you mentioned the first nigerian champion uh, there's a lot of positivity going in uzman's way so um even though personally what i was alluding to like he's not the type of fighter i'm gonna get super excited to see him engage in fights because he's just not the, the type of fighter that i love to see firefights in but he's a high caliber guy and it's gonna be tough to beat him especially look at the landscape when coving Co covington's your next fight i feel like that 
is a very I, I, good I, 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 is, I mean, we'll talk about, we can talk when it gets booked who he's going to fight next. Don't need to give any more attention to that bullshit right now. But I just want to say this while he's still wrestle, Fox guys, we've seen what Henry Hoof's training can do to a guy, and it may not turn him into Anthony Johnson, but Anthony Johnson got better. Like, he was always a good striker, but like, he showed up with Henry Hoof, and Henry Hoof made him a two time title contender at light heavyweight. So I think he has a good striking coach. Rashad's his mentor, and I really don't think you can ask for a better mentor in MMA, quite frankly, uh, especially one that knows how to deal with people being, you know, dismissive of his skills sometimes and getting a bad rap like Rashad was. We always talk about it. Rashad was called showboater. He was show called a showboater by Matt fucking Hughes, of all people. And then people acted like he was a piece of shit for the next 10 years almost. So um, good win for him. But let's just get to the next fight. And we're not going to break down each of these fights that much. And this one, quite frankly, um, if you didn't see the controversy, it was a real weird ending where it looked like Robbie Lawler kind of went out but didn't. And he couldn't answer Herb Dean because his ears were covered in a bulldog choke. You know what? Robbie Lawler seemed okay with it and gave Herb Dean a pass. I'm going to skip that part. But really, Stefan, you know what I want to talk about. Because... Ben Askren shoots a single, and at some point, Robbie Lawler decides to pick this motherfucker up in a torture rack. And there's only one thing you can do when a man's in a torture rack. You want to put him on the ground, right, Steph? And that's a burning fucking hammer. (laughs) It's not, Bobby, it's not nearly as well-known of a pro wrestling move as you think it is, but you've been hyped. Dude, I was so happy. Oh, my God. I never thought, I didn't think it was possible to do that in an MMA fight. He, he... You guys, just Google burning hammer. And if you watch it, even in pro wrestling, they don't let you do it most of the times because it looks like you broke the motherfucker's neck. Some, someone mm. on uh, Twitter called it an attitude adjustment. What's that? Attitude adjustment. Oh, that's a person who doesn't need to have a Twitter account anymore. That was terrible. It's not an attitude adjustment. That that's was a burning. John Cena's finisher. Yeah. And there's no driving anybody's head into the mat in that one. No, yeah. yeah um, It was honestly uh, Ben Askren went out there, got dumped on his fucking head. And I think while in the. And Stefan, they probably could have stopped it at some point during the shots were raining in because I swear it did not look like Ben Askren was all there for a moment. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I think he got punched in and out of consciousness in there. It was particularly – I mean, he kept rolling through it, so he technically did complete what he was trying to do. But there was just one moment where his one of his arms was pinned by his behind his back. Mm-hmm. He was slowly twisting over to uh, – he, I think he, he got it into a single leg, you know, to kind of – maintain position pull into guard and all that but yeah there were like four or five just completely unanswered shots on the ground i wouldn't have been shocked if it stopped um you know you don't want to talk about it that much but i i do uh fucking ben askren was a big moment to see him in the ufc um and you know this match ended up stealing the- oh no i mean, I just meant the uh, herb dean part of it because oh, i was just sure. like well yeah i mean that's gonna I mean, happen it, what are you it, gonna do it stole the fuckery that i kind of said i was kind of in my joking pick of uh smith last week i said i expect fuckery either you know uh, early stoppage or maybe a submission that's not actually in and lo and behold we got it in this Askren fight and like i said when i picked Askren, it's it was the one of the most uncomfortable favorite picks i've ever taken because i was terrified he was going to lose everything in the history of guys like ben Askren showing up in ufc should lose and then the, what the first minute of the fight showed he probably should have lost but um to see him win this is the Ben Askren that I kind of enjoy. He's a boring as hell fighter, but he'll become controversial on the mic. What did he say immediately after? He's like, "Is that all you've got for me?" All you see got that that's that's how you knew he got knocked out because I'm like, "No, Ben, come on, man. Maybe you don't remember what happened, but you got dumped right on that head." Ooh, what Bobby that tells me is you took a bite of the kayfabe. That man <laughs> knew exactly what he was saying. He knew he should have lost, and he played a heel line. And this time, he didn't have to. Unlike Chael, he didn't have to steal it from anyone. Um. Ben Askren's a fantastic heel. This no, I, I mean, maybe he is concussed, but I don't think that was. Re- I knew what he was doing because, like I said, a, a, a three-man booth you didn't thought you needed, Bobby. But if you like train wreck television, you put Chael next to Michael Bisping next to Ben Askren. That was three men that every single statement pissed one of the other three off. Um, that was crazy. And like I said, when when he got Burning Hammer and almost knocked out, you know what Ben Askren wanted to talk about? He's like, yeah, but did you see that single leg I got? Man, my approach was perfect. I got exactly what I wanted. I shot my head right into his chest. Like, Ben Askren's a fantastic heel. Like I said, it's a story that I want. And for that story to continue, he needed to win. And yeah, this is like Anthony Smith. I'll take that win however it comes. There's no um, honor in pride fighting. Mike, is that the first time you saw Ben Askren fight? So, you got to there we go. <laughs> no. I saw him fight when he was in uh, Bellator, wrecking up on those dudes. Okay, when well, we went out here, 
Uh, he went on out his debut. It went as bad as humanly possible to start the fight. Man recovered. What'd you think? Well, uh, he attempted to try to do the things that he's always done. You know, he tried to do those like chain takedowns and that first one didn't go too well. Uh, but besides that, you know, he showed a toughness that frankly, he I think he's only really had to show in one other fight. I think when he was with one where he got knocked around pretty good, but then he ended up winning that fight. But no, no, he just put, he just, he just, put, he just, I poked the guy and then that was the end of the fight. That was no way. I thought that was a fight where he actually got hit pretty. Uh, pretty that was well. the same fight. It was that one. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you know, um, at the very least, it wasn't boring. This fight. That was one thing I was really worried about, in that we were just gonna see five, three rounds of uh, takedowns and pitter patter fists. Um, he showed that he's a a top five welterweight. You know, so yeah, that's, did, did you... that's on his end. Yeah, I mean, Marcus, I want to come to you here with this. I came out of that fight thinking, all right, like, you know, didn't go well at the beginning, but Ben got a win. But I also came out of it thinking, I'm like, Robbie Lawler still got something. Like, I didn't think he was done. Like, I was just like, Robbie can still do some shit in that fight, in the fight, man. I mean, what'd you think of the fight? And I mean, yeah, to my point about Robbie Lawler. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, yeah, Robbie looked great. You know, besides um, a mental lapse where he thought, for a second, it'd be good for my arm just to go limp <laughs> while I'm in this potential choke, which, um, you know, all, for, for the whole refing thing, I, I think it's there's parts to blame on both Herb and, and Robbie. I think him being in a choking-like position, even if it's not on, to let your arm go limp is just not a wise decision. But outside of that one decision, he performed extremely well in this fight. They got in a grappling exchange, and he was able to, you know, get the better of it, slam him, you know, cause a lot of damage. Um, and I think if he looks back on this fight, he's really going to be kicking himself for when they got standing back up and Ben was still discombobulated and he ate some good shots. Uh, Robbie was landing some good knees, but just allowed it to get in the clinch. And um, I think he can look at that and be like, man, you know, I could have done more. I was still he was still tuning him up. He hit him with an uppercut after they got back up. And I was like, man, Ben's about to go. He's looking real sloppy right now. But, you know, um, to Ben's. Um, credit uh he's a really tough guy and you know he was put up against it really bad and he got in some good positions and ultimately what I, what I what I saw in the fight from Ben was you know he made some mistakes that he usually doesn't make in the grappling department you know allowing his center of mass to get under Robbie in a way that allowed him to lift is something that you usually don't see Ben Askren do and also getting Robbie's back and not putting the hooks in ultimately leading to the bulldog choke which you know won him the fight um, was just like, that's kind of, you know, an amateurish thing. He had the back. He should have got those hooks in and solidified that position. But at the end of the day, Robbie looked great. And it, it's kind of one of those fights where I don't think, I mean, I think Ben loses a little bit because he did not come off well. It looks like he kind of just stole that fight by happenstance, right? Some some bad calls on, on two people's part. But at the end of the day, you can't blame him at all. A dude just came to fight. He came to grapple. He tried to get a choke in. And, you know, and I don't even blame Herb Dean that much because the way he was arching his back, the way he went limp, and, and especially when you watched it live, because I watched that fight again because it was so short. And, and honestly, it was my favorite fight of the night. It was we, just, we all thought he was out. We all said he's out. Well, you he's can out. See, you can see from the camera angle that you you see Robbie go limp. And then when uh, Herb Dean goes to check on him, he blocks um, his arm. And Herb Dean's real mistake here is that he goes to lift Robbie's arm. And that's what you're supposed to do when, when a fighter is potentially unconscious is you shake their arm and you see if they fight you back or they give you some restraint. And you can see when they show the other camera angle that Herb Dean does move Robbie's arm and Robbie's arm then does not go limp again. But Robbie also didn't really push like, oh, dude, I'm fucking awake. He kind of just like, oh, I'm, you know, he didn't really. It was just it was bad. Right. And, and what sucks is that refing is so hard. And even in this fight, Herb Dean made one excellent call and one bad call. And the only thing we give a fuck about is his bad call. Right. That's the thing that actually matters because. He let that fight go on. Like you said, there was a moment where Ben was in a defenseless position where he was eating, you know, undefended shots, but he allowed Ben the opportunity to continue to, because he saw that he was still moving, right? He was still trying to get out of that position. He wasn't unconscious quite yet. Um, and he allowed the fight to go on and that was the right call. But then he made the, the bad call here. And that's why roughing is, is so tough because in any given fight, the referee will make 12 great calls that you don't even think about because it's just a natural order of things. But they make that one bad call. 
And now he's a shitty referee, right? And everyone's on Twitter talking about how bad he is. And it was just a bad situation. Man, Ro- Robbie, I thought, honestly, handled it so well. Like, he literally did. within oh. seconds, they were, like, hugging. Because Ben, even Herb was like, man. Well, and then Robbie was like, hey, man, what are you going to do? Both like, of them, right? Because not, I mean, you saw it right when Robbie stood up. Herb Dean's is like, fuck, I moved your arm. I thought you like, were Robbie was consoling him almost, it looked like. <laughs> you can see it on his face. He felt so bad that he he robbed Robbie of that moment, right, to, to continue to fight. Because it was such a fun fight. And half his fucking check, honestly. Yeah, being and, with and it's really unfortunate and um it doesn't seem like <laughs> i completely understand where ben's coming from not too interested in the rematch i don't blame him at all that didn't quite go well, well. He, said, he also said he's like i didn't want to fight him to begin with i like robbie lawler which i'm yeah. like and, well, and this- the thing too is like we finally get ben Askren in the ufc <laughs> i don't want like the four fights he's gonna have in here against like two guys i want to see him spread out a little bit and get some different looks he gave um, himself a creditable like option, like Dana says. He'll yeah, we'll run it back. But I like what Ben Askren said. He's like, yeah, give me the winner of Till versus Masvidal. Well, they're, they're flying him there for it, Steph. I was just gonna say the UFC apparently, well, at least Ben says the UFC's flying him to wherever this is happening. Ben, he flies himself. He shows up. He's a man in the crowd. He yells for uh, the crowd. So it sounds like he'll he wants to fight the winner of Till and uh, Masvidal. Which thinking that the winner that's fighting Ben Askren makes me want Ben uh, Jorge Masvidal to win personally um because not that till can't grapple but he's definitely gonna get taken down by like he have the two of the guys the one is definitely gonna get taken down by ben Askren. it it it's that one in that case like, i want till baby let's we're riding this Askren train well i mean like jorge's smaller too so be jorge also looks homeless i don't know what's going on there um okay know. there's a bunch yeah, there's a bunch angle bobby Askren is the teammate the missouri teammate of the defeated tyron woodley i mean okay uh, isn't Jorge one of Tyron's teammates? Probably. Get on board, yeah. Bobby. 2019 is the year of Ben Askren. Um, all right. There's a bunch of other fights that happened. I'm just going to give everybody the opportunity to talk about one of the things, one of the storylines they found interesting because I don't really want to talk about this card for another half an hour. Um, for me, uh, Johnny Walker went out there, did be did his Johnny Walker thing. I said, this is going to be over in 40 seconds, and it took 36 seconds. Flying knee, punches, Serkinov was fucked. Then he did like the, I don't know what it's called when you do the worm out of a salute. I don't know how to dance, but that's what he did. Um, and he, he, he hurt his shoulder. It doesn't change the move. He still ultimately doesn't move. He's just saluting at the yeah. start of it. Not and a, he, he hurt his shoulder. And he hurt his shoulder. And he said he needs to practice his celebrations if he doesn't hurt himself. Which I was like, yeah, that's the takeaway. That's the correct takeaway. Johnny Walker is one win away from a title shot. I don't care who he fights. One more win. If they wanted to give it to him now and didn't give it to Tiago Santos just because they're like, we got to see what this weirdo can do while he's still hot, I'd be okay with it because who cares? It's 205. John Jones is going to baptize all these bums. doesn't make a difference. That man crazy. Yeah. He's not playing. Uh, What was Rashad's line? He says, that boy's cheese done fell off its cracker. I remember Rashad said that on the Ultimate Fighter about Mitrione. That stuck with me. Same thing with this guy. Cheese, cracker, fell off. Okay. Um, yeah, for me, Johnny Walker, a big moment from the card. Johnny Walker did exactly what he needed to do. Like we have, we have high expectations for somebody and they meet them. It's always nice. Cause it's, we literally like, I'm like, we're all like the ones who picked them. Me and Steph were both like, Johnny Walker's going to go knock this motherfucker out quick. Cause that's what Johnny Walker does. And it happened. So I thought that was great. Um, Steph, uh, what do you got out of the you know remaining fights out there? Uh, I got I have a it's a double takeaway. It's for both uh, Zabib uh, Zabit Magomed Sharapov and uh, Weili Zhang. Um, both of them, I think they just kind of tell the same story. I they weren't you know neither of them got the finish that you would want to really get their uh, hype rockets you know set to go. But they both beat incredibly tough, incredibly durable, high-end gatekeepers of the division. If you beat Jeremy Stevens and if you beat Tisha Torres, it means you're something. It means you're not a fluke. Yeah, it, it means you might. It means you're. you're if you're not going to get a title shot, you're going to get damn fucking yeah, close. <laughs> yeah, neither of them may be ready for a title shot in the next couple, two, three fights. They both need more seasoning, it seems. But they both passed really tough tests for their division. So I'm excited that both prospects. You know, they didn't. They didn't win in an impressive fashion, but they both won going away. Both were very clear decisions, in my opinion. I don't think there was any controversy with them. Um, so, you know, it, it's nice to see the prospects. They, they're still alive. Uh, all right, Mike, what did you think of uh, what's left on this card? What, what stuck out to you? One nugget that s- stuck out to me was, uh, man, Cody Garbrandt. Um, Woo! 
That got real fun at the end, though, man. It got real fun. (laughs) Yeah, it it became a slobber knocker at the end. He got an extra 50 Gs. But my takeaway was, so does he just not listen to his corner at all? Like, what's what's going on there? I'm pretty sure at some point they told him, um, you know, Let's get some movement in there. Let's try not to just, uh, you know, keep a center line there. He's like, nah, nah, fuck that. I'm gonna get hit, and I'm gonna take, and I'm and I'm gonna give a hit as well. And that didn't work out too well for him. Yeah, big win for Pedro Munoz. Big, 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 big win. But as a way to no one knows what the fuck's going on with that belt. So uh, we'll never know if he's gonna get a title shot. We'll, also, we'll his uh, his uh, knockout, the way it looked was very reminiscent to when he lost the belt. In that the right hook connects and you just see like his fading punch coming right afterwards as well. Yeah. Mm. No, when he gets hurt, his default is to start swinging wild. And honestly, he needs to be, I don't know, grab onto something, man. Marcus, what what, what, what stuck out to you? Ah, don't got a lot here. He's lost a little yeah. scraps. A little scraps. Up, but- well, you know, I put four. I left four relevant fights, and this stuff I took two of them at well, once. I was, I was just like, Mike, <laughs> don't take two because there's only one thing worth <laughs> left to talk about. But um, yeah, I'll talk, I mean, I didn't get to see the fight, and it, it is one of the fights that you know I was trying to see with Bobby. We were trying to work the times out, and the time just didn't work out. Um, so I didn't get to see Diego Sanchez beat Mickey Gall, but on paper that was a really intriguing fight. I kind of thought Mickey Gall would win just because he's the younger fighter with less mileage on him, but stylistically. Uh, Diego Sanchez matches up pretty well with him, especially when it comes to the ground. Um, and from what I heard, you know, I basically he got mount on it. Was that where he finished the fight, Bob? He got mount on him and just started raining punches. Is that how he finished the fight? I know it's a TKO Mike, by punches, but Mike, you watched the fight. What happened? <laughs> I did watch the fight. I don't remember exactly how <laughs> Diego Sanchez won, um, but I will say this: the 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 part that stuck out the most, Mark, was the fact that. Uh, I want to say for at least three to four fights of Diego Sanchez, I've just assumed, man, this old man don't got it no more. And my takeaway from that fight was, hmm, old man still got it. I mean, he, he won two fights in a row. I mean, I haul shit, man. That's He's hit 40 fights now. Also get that man tested. For what? I'm just saying, old man still got it. Yeah, that's enough of a statement to be like, man, let's, let's, man let's Diego, Diego Sanchez has been powered by the voices in his head for a while now. <laughs> I'm worried about what's coursing in, in his veins, Bobby. Nah, Diego's in it. Diego's a man of integrity. Mm. Diego only tested positive for weed one time. All right. Man was 17 and 0 to start his career. I just want to say like, you know, he's 11 and he's 12 and 11 since, but 11 and 0, 17 and 0 to start his career. That was UFC 235. A uh, pretty good show. Um, relevant fights, some good finishes, new champion. You know, could be worse. And speaking of worse, the card next week. Um, you know what, man? Let's say I lived in Wichita, and the UFC's coming to town. It, I would go just because. Well, it's probably fifty bucks. And when else? When is the UFC gonna come back? And this is how the UFC comes up with their cards when they end up in places like Wichita, because they're like, we can give them one fight. One fight and all these motherfuckers are going to show up at the Intrust Bank Arena in Wichita, Kansas this Saturday, which holds eh, between ten and between ten and 15,000 people. They'll get the people in there. Headlined by Derek Lewis and Junior Dos Santos, arguably the only fight that should even be aired at all. Uh, five rounds of heavyweight action where if it goes all five rounds, oh my God. Um, Junior Dos Santos' last fight was against I don't remember. Jesus, I just had it. Um he knocked some he knocked Tuivasa out. I was talking about it earlier. Good performance against Ty Tuivasa. Before that a five round beating of Blagoy Ivanov that nobody here watched. Um Derek Lewis whoa, hasn't whoa, fought whoa. I watched that fight and it was as boring as you would have hoped. Okay. Apologies, Stefan. I did not know you had your Idaho your you were eyes glued on the Idaho guard. That half hour of my life, okay? Uh um, also, uh, on the side of this, on the ticket is Derek Black Beast Lewis, um, back-to-back winner of MMA quote of the, of MMA quote of the year in the It's Am Amazing Awards. Uh, Derek Lewis hasn't fought since, uh, he picked up a pretty nice paycheck to fight Daniel Cormier on four weeks notice in New York after saying he's not ready for no title shot. Shit. What the fuck y'all talking about? Uh, he wasn't. Um, coming into this fight here, Derek Lewis... Don't like Junior Dos Santos much. Says he's a cheater. 
and says this shouldn't be too difficult for him to win this fight. The odds makers feel otherwise. Derek Lewis plus 180. Junior Dos Santos minus 220. This is the only fight we are picking because, well, look at the fucking card. Michael Sanchez. What do you got? Yeah, so I don't know how to feel about this card. Um, it's Junior bad. looked good against Suivasa in his last fight, but honestly, he's... As we've talked about before, he's a, he's a shell of his former self. Derek Lewis, yeah, he just fought for the title. Yeah, he won two fights before that. But let's remember that the fight before DC, he was losing the first 14 and maybe 50 seconds of that mm -hmm. fight. So he didn't look great in that fight. And then the fight before that was the travesty with uh, Nganu. So... Derek Lewis hasn't looked great um, in three fights. And on top of that, we never know how his back situation is. Uh, back injury is a motherfucker. Stefan talks about it all the time. But guys, that's a motherfucker. <laughs> I mean, besides me, they tend not to get better. And um, DDP yoga, folks, fix your back. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm going to go with Junior in this fight. Just because I'm going to bank on that Derek's back isn't too well again in this fight. And I'm going to throw shade and say Mike picked Junior because I put in the group that I was going to take Junior when everyone was leaning Derek. Yo, bro, you went <laughs> last. I ain't worrying about what you're doing. <laughs> I don't care. But, Stefan, uh, what I do mean, you... Uh, I am. Yeah, I mean, the same is... Derek Lewis, I absolutely like him. What I'm about to say is not an insult. I just It's the reality of how I view him. He is a rich man's version of fool's gold uh, he's always losing fights before he wins that's his greatest strength is that that knockout power forever remains we talk about the hypothetical puncher's chance this guy is the definition of a puncher's chance he always has that puncher's chance but yeah I, I've, I've never been comfortable believing he was gonna win and now that he's had this title shot you know his motivation has always been suspect to me as well i don't know where he goes from here does he have a motivation to train and got get that, better? Got that new contract, baby. He got a new contract. They got to pay him now. Or, or, or is he happy to just go out there and do what he always does? You know, it's dangerous. You know, like, it's not great picking Junior either. But Junior, he believes he's got one title run in him. So if motivation is the tiebreaker, I at least believe Junior believes in himself right now. I don't know where Derek Lewis is at. And if he wins, it's not going to surprise me. I feel like it's going to look how it always looks when he does win. Marcus, what do you think, brother? Yeah, um, interesting because, uh, you know, behind the scenes, Bobby texts us and be like, we'll pick this one fight if anyone's going to pick anyone besides Derek Lewis. And I was like, fuck, is everyone really hot on Derek Lewis? On well, I don't know. Honestly, I didn't, I didn't expect the betting odds to be what they were. I'm going to be straight with you. I'm picking Derek Lewis. Yeah, I'm thinking <laughs> if you're on a ship by yourself and you thought you had a fine go on board, <laughs> the captain ain't there. Um, Dude, the heavyweight title fight with two guys with one guy's chinny, the other one's got no stamina. Anything could fucking yeah, happen. Yeah, and I mean, and, and that's really what it comes down to. Like, this is a closely contested fight because I, I am going with those Santos. I think he's technically the more proficient fighter. Um, and I think you know, it, but it's still it, with Derek Lewis. He's just he has that one shot, and at this point, we know Junior can go down with one shot. You look at that Overeem fight; it wasn't an accumulation of blows that that took Junior down. It was one uppercut, which is not like Reem's best strike. So we we know. Uh, I mean, it was Hunter, a good uppercut. Let's give the man credit for that. No, uppercut. it was, it was a good uppercut. Like, the dude's not known for his hands. In fact, yeah. I watched the dude fight his whole life. Dude's not known for his hands. He's gotten better, but not known for his hands. Um, so I mean, there's definitely concern. I think Lewis can absolutely win this fight. I just haven't been, you know, I think when Mike kind of, you break down his last two fights, I mean, he, he won the fight before DC, but he, he took a beating. Like that was, that was like, I don't know what the scorecards were, but that was probably two 10, eight rounds leading up to a third 10, eight round. And he pulled it out of his back pocket and you have to give him that Trump card. He can always finish this fight. Even when we're heading into the fifth round too. Um, now I'm even more confident. How many times has Derek Lewis gone five? <laughs> I don't um, think he's ever needed. Has he needed to go five? Yeah, I don't think he has a lot of opportunities. And the one time he uh, did, he made he made invented a he made invented a decent number of fight nights in the middle there, man. Yeah, you'd be right. Did I just think he put I just think he put a bunch. He put that. Uh, let me look this up while you're talking. I mean, <laughs> I, I think mostly you know if Junior had a if he was if his skill set was wider and he was more proficient. I mean, taking Derek Lewis down that's the avenue to go to win him. You know, grind this guy, guy to the ground, let him try to move because the dude he'll move on the he doesn't he's not a slouch on his back. He'll explode, but those are the explosions you want from Derek Lewis. He's a big guy. It takes a lot of energy to dig underhooks in and get out from a mount 
or get out from side guard. Um, if Junior could take it to the ground, he'll have a much easier uh, road to victory. I don't think that's where it's going to go. I think these two guys are going to stand. I think there's going to be lots of clinching against the cage. Um, I, I think Dos Anjos is going to get the nod, but it's completely within the realm so, of possibility he lands something big. Three times. Um, three straight fights. Well, four times, including the Darren Cormier one. But he faced Shamil Abdurrahimov um, in Albany. I remember watching that one. Uh, he won that in the fourth round by knockout. And then he beat Travis Brown in the second round by knockout in another main event, five-round main event. Then he lost to Mark Hunt in the late in the fourth round. That was a close one. If I remember correctly, um, against Mark Hunt in Aus in uh, New Zealand, he also gassed in a fight against Francis Ngannou where nothing happened, and he I still mean, gassed. And nothing happened. Yeah, and then the other fifth round one was the Daniel Cormier one, which my man was cashing a check. Let's be honest with ourselves. So there. what I'm alluding to, still, even with those, Junior Dos Santos has had a lot more five round fights. He's gone the distance a lot more than Derek Lewis has. He's won some of those. How, how many minutes did he give Derek Lewis to put him down? To put him down. Like how long would at what at what point you're like there's no way Derek Lewis is gonna get a knockout? How many minutes oh. into the fight? I won't count Derek Lewis out until literally that last that last second. I, I just saw that. I saw that. He has five rounds. Twenty four minutes and fifty nine seconds. He yeah, always I'm, has one shot. I'm not gonna. Out. I'm not gonna be like yeah. I'm not gonna go into the fourth unless unless Junior's just taking this dude down at ease and is just like and and literally. Derek Lewis like can't stand up and he's just falling over himself. At that point, I'm gonna be like, yeah, it's not gonna look well. But I'm not. There's not gonna be a second in this fight. I don't think Derek Lewis can pull out some bullshit out of his ass and win a fight. That's what dude does. Yeah. Um. Heart of a champion, black beast in this hoe. Are you picking Swanking him to win Megan. any other way besides a comeback knockout, Bobby? I mean, he might hit him early. Trying Junior. Junior loses a lot of. Junior's lost a bunch of fights, hasn't he? Am I not crazy here? Or is uh, like no, and he, it's been spotty. You know, I mean, he got he got five. Not all those are Kane. I'm just saying he lost to other people too, and like, quite frankly, that you know, I like Junior quite a bit, man. But fuck, man, I got Derek Lewis in a fight. He's losing at first. Um, all right, uh, Bellator probably has a card, but whatever. Um, it's. it's Real quick, does that mean I don't want to talk about Miracle Crop, Crop retiring again because we did it the first or second time we retired? But I just want to say, Bellator, you guys got to like, you got to get the paperwork in order, man. We can't have these grandpa fights and then a dude has a stroke right after the fight or Dada almost dies during the fight or Kimbo somehow with weird irregularities dies three months after that fight. Let's make everybody's picture, everybody's paperwork is in order. And don't tell me Krokop, and it was the same thing that guy from Bloody Elbow said, don't tell me Krokop passed a bunch of tests and he's okay when he shows up looking like a fucking action figure. I just, like, it just, just keeps, like, the list has three names on it now of, like, we almost got, like, some shit almost went, like, come on, man. I don't want Krokop to have a stroke in the middle of the cage. Maybe we don't have Fedor fight again, huh? What do you guys think? Huh? Maybe no, he lost in 30 seconds. Let's avoid that one. Maybe Vanderlei, who somehow said he exhibited 8 of 10 concussion symptoms that the California Athletic Commission listed. Maybe he shouldn't fight again either. I know you got to make money, and these are Legends fights, and great. But if they're not capable, like, I'm not trying to get on my high horse here, but the man had a fucking stroke. Like, let's make sure everybody's, let's get a real doctor. Like, let's, not just a commission one at Mohegan, who doesn't give a flying fuck. It's his Mohegan son. They don't give a shit, all right? Uh, Mark could fight a horse there and they'll sanction it. Okay, let's just make sure everybody's paperwork is in order. I'm no sorry, fights in I'm Texas. Horse, yeah, I don't think you got it in that one. It's too good. Yeah, Maybe I'm just like, like I mean, small pony. I would, uh, I would pick Mark. I mean, it's also don't act like don't act like this is just happens. Like Kimbo and Dada happened to happen in Texas. Like Mike could have fought a fucking polar bear. They would have said it's okay in Texas. All I right? would take Mark against like Lil Sebastian from Parks and Rec. <laughs> What's around it is. He's tired of these animals walking around no. hiding their horses. So, yeah, I mean, this is me going on a rant there, but like, Krokop real retired. Peace out, homie, like for the fourth time. So, um, stuff we like. Um, actually, first off, a uh, quick rest in peace to uh, Luke Perry. 52 goddamn years old, man. You just have a stroke and that's it. Like, Dude seems healthy, and then that's it. Like Jesus yeah, Christ! Even cleared him for that fight last week. Bellator would have let him fight, no question. Yeah, um, I, I don't think he had a history of drug use or, yeah. or anything. I mean, and then uh, I mean, I honestly I heard about the stroke because of the uh, I hang out on the wrestling subreddit, subreddit most of the day, and his son uh, is Jungle Boy. Um, 
from people who follow PWG. That's if you're going to follow organization, Mike. I don't want Mike to yeah. confuse Jungle Boys. Yeah. <laughs> no, Bob, yeah, Bob, Jungle... Bob clued me in earlier. Yeah, Jungle Boy. That was, you know, rest, you know, like hopefully his family, man. Shit, man. How are you going to be okay? 52 years old. So rest in peace. If you're, he was a little bit, we're a little bit too young, most of us, for his, you know, nah, his peak. We're, we're right there. What are you talking about, man? You don't remember 90210? Well, I, you had a, I'm saying it was more for your sisters. Like, Stefan mentioned the same for, for his sisters. Sister. And, and for my older brother. He loved that I mean, we were, we were like seven when that shit was on TV, guys. I knew it was on. I recognized yeah. the girls were pretty, but, like, I didn't, like, watch it week to week. It, it was, I had X-Men. I had Rocco's Modern Yeah, exactly. Life. Yeah, so, like, I mean, not all of you know, that's the thing, like, he was Dylan McKay from Beverly Hills 90210, and apparently he was 28 when he was on that show. But no, uh, they, were, they were all old as hell. You should see how yeah. old uh, the girl with the glasses was. She was in her 30s. <sighs> okay. But yeah, man, uh, rest in peace to him. Um, and I might as well go and talk about what I talk about on this show, which is wrestling. And um, I got a... Mine's kind of tied to MMA and what I'm gonna, why I'm pointing this out. So I, watch, I listen to this podcast... Um, that Tony Schiavone is on. He used to announce for WCW. And it's a watch-along podcast, but you really don't need to watch along because they're mostly just bullshitting the whole show. It's a funny time. But they watched what is the greatest WrestleMania of all time, WrestleMania 17. Um, to the to Mark and Steph, that was Austin and Rock 2 with TLC and all that shit. It was that one. And I'm watching, and I decided, let me watch some of this thing. And my takeaway, and Marcus and I have talked about this a lot, is that... They need to get way better at video packages in MMA because wrestling has got that shit down, right, Marcus? We always talk about how, like, the ability to make a hype video has been nailed by Vince McMahon since, like, 1986. And I, they, they, the UFC just plays the same fucking whatever generic music they paid for around 2001 to play in the background. Like, come on, man, let's spend a couple bucks. Let's if make I'm it being better. Fair, we've watched a lot of pay-per-views where they play the same fucking song 12 times. I can't give them a pass completely on the video packages. They do a good job sometimes on pay-per-views, a little repetitive, but no. Oh, I yeah, mean, but I mean, I mean, like, they gotta, like, I mean, that's the thing, like, I was, even, like, the one, like, from that one is famously, and we all got annoyed by it, it was the My Way one, where they kept playing Austin and Rock, the Limp Biscuit song, My Way, My Way, or The Highway. That's, like, one of the most iconic ones ever, and it got annoying, but fuck, man, it told you everything I need to know. Like, they just you got me hyped for a fucking wrestling match. Like, and it, all the UFC ones are the same. They're exactly the same. Whenever they spend $4 on a commercial, we're all fucking shocked well, they, that they took the time. <laughs> you need to, like, pump up the money for some music licenses. Because usually what the problem is, it's just a bunch of Joe Rogan, oh, my God, and this is like, and we've seen that commercial, like, a thousand times. And whenever they do spend money, Dana White's always like, spent so much fucking money. Like, he wants us all to, like, thank him for him to properly promote his fucking product. Like, come on, man. Make these things different. Spend a couple bucks. I don't know. Pay for Enter Sandman when Brock comes back. All right? He likes that song. Let's pay for it. Put in a video package. Lars is reasonable. Lars just wants money. You know, just spend a couple bucks. I'm just saying. Um, and since it's coming off me watching this podcast, listen to this podcast, What Happened When is still, uh, I think it's my favorite podcast I listen to every week. It just makes me laugh all the time. It's a good, a bunch of dudes ball busting and talking about wrestling. So that's what I got. I mean, I watched the first two episodes of Umbrella Academy, and uh, I'm in. But you guys have already – all the guys have talked about it maybe for like five straight weeks. So <laughs> I don't need to add my two cents. Um, so that's what I got this week. Uh, Marcus, what do you got? And not on this week. Um, Game-wise, on Friday, Devil May Cry 5 comes out. I'm looking forward to that one. I haven't really gotten into the Devil May Cry series. It hasn't been around for a while um, since like the second one, which is – considered to be widely like the worst one in the series um but yeah looking forward to that um my big thing this week uh just today or yesterday when you guys are listening to this um critical role who i've mentioned a couple times they are the DD live cast of a bunch of um voice actors they started a kickstarter yesterday for their um an animated special um don't worry about it getting funded they blew the shit past that um they only needed uh 750,000 was their goal Right now, they're at 3.4 million in climbing. I haven't even put my 20 bucks in yet. So um, I think this will be a great way to get people um, invested in Critical Role. And Vox Machina is their D&D group they had last season. Um, they actually completed that game. So the animated short is, well, it was going to be 22 minutes. Stretch goals, it's now going to be 88 minutes. Um, it's basically, uh, they had a home game. Uh, with Matt Mercer, who's their DM, for about a couple years before they started live casting um, their uh, game. 
and the animated short is actually going to be uh, an adventure that we didn't see that wasn't on the live cast. So um, that's really interesting. And um, I haven't been able to look too much into the Kickstarter, but I've always been a really big fan of Critical Role and they've been continuing to grow. They used to be part of Geek and Sundry and now they have their own studio, their own YouTube channel, Critical Role. They're doing their own content. Um, it's really taking off. And I think of all the things that kind of invoke D&D, &D, this might be the one to get more mass appeal. And um, I think it'd be rightfully so. It, it's kind of one of the things that when I was first getting into Dungeons and Dragons and role-playing games that I kind of latched onto. And it's just really cool to see professional voice actors get into this kind of improv improvisational role-playing game. And they just really take into it. It's a lot of fun. And I'm extremely excited for this Um animated short uh like i said they're all voice actors so they all come back they all come from this field of doing voiceovers for animation and anime and stuff like that so they're extremely talented at it already and extremely excited about the project and so am i so yeah if you're interested or just want to learn a little bit more you can check out their um kickstarter page they have a video that i haven't seen yet that i'm gonna watch um as soon as we end the show here but um everything they've done has been top notch and i expect uh, nothing less from this next project so yeah looks cool mike not too much for me this week. Uh, just very quickly, uh, third season of True Detective. I'm about three or four episodes in. Better than the second season. I was thinking about giving that a shot. I just got my hands on an HBO account. Yeah, Mike, I was going to say, I'm going to need more than that. That's a... Better I than the season, but how is it? Okay. Okay. All right, okay. Yeah. Uh, Mahersha, Ali, Mahersha Ali is very, very good. Like, all right, much, much better than the second season. Okay. The of course, season. not as good as the first, because that was a masterpiece, but worth watching. Yeah, that's that's fair. All right, uh, Stefan, what do you got this week? Uh, three watch recommendations. Um, first, uh, if you're a fan of the NBA or basketball, uh, I highly, highly recommend you check this out. Uh, there's about an hour-long interview that's on YouTube. Um, it was the recent Sloan Sports Analytics Conference this past week. Um, and Bill Simmons interviews Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner. Uh, it is a fantastic one-on-one. -on -one. He is so Adam Silver is so open and candid in everything he talks about. Like he's 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 not dodging topics. He's not you know beating around the bush. He he gives really open answers. It's just a really great listen if you're a fan of basketball. If you're a fan of how the league works and everything. Um, I don't think it's a stretch to say he's the best sports commissioner by far of any league. I don't think there's any conversation about anyone rivaling him. Um, absolutely a fantastic watch. Uh, of a, on a nerdier note, um, there's a video that's been going viral that I caught um, last weekend. Uh, Topher Grace, apparently in some weekend when his wife was out of town, he took all this Star Wars footage and cut this trailer called Star Wars Always. Um, and if you're a fan of Star Wars, even using like the, the nefarious footage of the uh, prequel trilogy and footage of like solo and the modern stuff like he still cuts together this five minute like encompassing star wars trailer that it hits you in all the nostalgia points um i thought my brother made a good point is like you get so like yeah star wars is awesome and then a few minutes later it sets in like oh but it's not good lately like do you Steph? do you know the story of what he did with the prequels right he cuts uh he cuts it all three into like a half hour or something? No, it cuts all three in about a 90-minute movie. 90 minutes and, I, I, and I don't know if he ever did. I think it's kind of one of those like urban legend things because I think he just did it and showed it to like people in L.A. Like I don't know if you can find it anywhere that e at least that easily. Yeah, but that's like that's kind of his thing. Is like I mean because but the, the he, funny thing about beyond be, beyond being Eric from that 70s show, I guess the guy's a bit of like a you know film nerd too. When so you he think likes about uh, him cutting. You know, oh, he cut three movies into in basically one movie. I hear it starts at the Darth uh, Maul lightsaber battle. So that's how much of episode one we decide. The pod racing, all that stuff. This, pod is, this is irrelevant. <laughs> Maybe I should spin. That's a good move. <laughs> yes, um, Ma uh, Mark is, uh, he didn't mention it. I'll, I'll throw this in. Um, our favorite YouTube channel, Girlfriend Reviews, they uh, flipped uh, the media script this week and uh, she reviewed what it was like to be shown Star Wars by her boyfriend as an adult. And um, it's hilarious. Again, just things. If you're a Star Wars fan, I, I'd recommend watching both. You'll you'll appreciate them for different reasons. I, I uh, shit you not. I literally cried. I was laughing so <laughs> hard I started crying. <laughs> there's a there's a lot of good scenes, but anyways, uh, yeah, I 
recommend check those things out. One of them's five minutes. If you like Star Wars at all, you definitely got time for it. Um, and if you're a basketball fan, definitely check out the Sloan Conference interview. Right on. All right, boys and girls, we're gonna be back next week. Gonna, someone's gonna. We'll, 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 someone. We'll see the highlights at least of this fight main event. We promise Derek you. Derek Lewis is gonna knock the shit out of Derek <laughs> Lewis. Is gonna detach <laughs> Junior Dos Santos's head from his shoulders. Thirty seconds in. Um, and then after that, I'm going to talk to you a lot about Captain Marvel, probably. Is that coming Ooh, out? I think that is next week. And uh, it's your fault if you didn't see it, because I'm going to talk about it. And we're going to mention, we're going to talk about Jorge Masvidal and Darren Till, who are going to do their thing uh, next weekend, uh, the weekend after next, actually. Um, that's just a, I mean, not that I don't care what else is on the card, but that is awesome. Um, that is just a really good fight. Though it also has Gunnar Nelson, Leon Edwards, which I'm I'm in for. Oh, that's it. Okay. Oh, Dominic Reyes and Volkan Nesdemir. We gotta pay attention to Dominic Reyes, right? He's uh he's out there doing his thing. He's still undefeated, I think. Yeah, ten or no. Yeah, light heavyweight, right? Light heavyweight. They need him. We gotta. Yeah, might have to fight Johnny Walker, the winner of this fight. So yeah, not just some stuff on this card. It's not bad. It's got uh Stefan's guy Arnold Allen, Joe Duffy's back, um, taking on Mark Diacasey. So that's uh, okay. Um, all right, guys. Thank you all for listening. We're going to be back next week, as I mentioned. Um, I was Dr. Law. Kip Presentable was here. DJ Mark was here. Lavender Gooms was here. Again, thank you, and we're out. See you, guys.